This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, Georgie, check for Dadsy. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. <laughs> only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery free in terms supply. See mcdonalds.com. Leicester City have a penalty kick in the sixth minute of injury time. Injury time, injury time. Look out, takes. Almunia saves. Look out, follows in. Almunia saves again. And now Wapner on the counter attack. Forestieri. Oh, I don't believe this. Here's Hawk. Dini. I do not believe what I've just seen. Troy Dini has scored from a Leicester penalty that was saved by Almunia. Do not scratch your eyes. Do not scratch your eyes. Do not scratch your eyes. I want to share another game with you that we're going to be watching here because this is, this is I, I think, going to be interesting. Now, I would never otherwise play this particular clip, but I'm going to start it with the first one because we mentioned Mr. Morley and it's worth taking a look at there. And then there's a couple of other goals, and I just want to take Derek's ideas on this. Oh, that's a great ball through with Jamie Morley. Morley on here and here. He opens his account in the Watford colours. And look at the fans celebrate. Oh, bad clearance. Oaks with a shot. What a goal! A blistering shot there from Scott Oaks. This is Priest. Good ball by Priest. Mitchell Thomas with the header. Touch. Oh, and he set it up for Dixon. Oh, I, oh, I don't think we can deal with any more of that. He set it up for now, Dixon. Now. Still, still, still hurts watching that now, I tell you, honestly. I, I know it does. When I was at Aylesbury, we had Dwight Marshall, who is the nicest man I've ever known. He was such a lovely guy. Came and played with my reserve team, was fantastic with the younger players. Lovely fella. Got nothing bad to say about him. But he was involved in that game against us, and therefore I must physically hate him. I did tell him that, but he's still such a nice man. <laughs> anyway, enough of that. There, there were a couple of touches in there by your central midfield colleague that I believe you got pinned. Yeah, yeah. And this this is something from, from the outside. Yeah, how can I put this... To be honest, we played a young... We were all surprised. If you remember, we played Gary Fitzgerald, a youngster, at centre-half. Yeah. Because yeah. we, we didn't have any centre. We were experienced players and we all looked around the changing and we thought we were surprised at that decision, especially against Luton, what a big game that is. And I think Andy Essentyler was trying to... We saw he was nervous early on. We saw the young centre-half was nervous early on and, and, and he was only, I think, 18, thrown in against Luton. We were very surprised that... He started the more experienced players. And I think Andy Essentyler, we saw he started nervous. Andy's trying to cover for him. You can yeah. see both the goals. He's on that left-hand side where where young Gary was. And I'm, I'm not blaming Gary at all. Gary was no. a kid thrown into the deep end. Yeah. And that's what Andy was trying to do. But obviously, 
in doing that, trying to, he's ended up making them mistakes. But yeah, for some reason, I, I didn't get blamed for it, but Glenn Roder kind of picked me out and I didn't appreciate it. If he had picked up Andy Tyler because he's made the mistakes and maybe all of us because we're two one down. Yeah. But he actually singled me out and I, and I didn't appreciate it. He didn't, the mistakes weren't me and I'm not yeah. trying to take it away. But that's the politics. And that's yeah, where yeah. I found that. I can even remember, the, I think for the five, ten minutes of the start of the second half, it affected me a bit, but I mm-hmm. quickly got out of that because you want to beat Luton. But that was hard, especially Luton, because we know what it means to the supporters. And we won nil up with Jamie's goal, great goal, and we give them two. So when the manager does that, you've got to be strong mentally and you've got to take criticism. I get that, but I, I like it to be fair. And in my eyes, that wasn't fair. If he had dug out Andy as well, then I would have been I would have been okay with it. Once you sense that it ain't being fair as a player, that can cause problems to me. And it, you, your leader's got to be your leader. And if he's letting, if he's getting undermined a bit, then I, other players, I sense that, and I don't, I didn't appreciate that. You can't have your favourites. Let's just put it that way. That's that was my question going to be. Once you have your favourites, you can lose the dressing room. Did you find that not necessary in this instance? Obviously, it was at the time under Glenn Roder, it was a fabulous season and it's one incident. But throughout yeah. your career, did you find that managers would find it easier to talk to certain players? They'll, oh, I'll have a go at him, but I won't him. Almost a favouritism or might be a different expectation of this particular player. And you say that that can, that can kill a dressing room. Did mm. you find that a number of times? That's why, to be honest with you, that's why I went and played for Barry Fry quite a lot because everything is run fair. Anyone can be took off. Anyone can be had a go at. There weren't no favourites. And that signed a political side that I've seen at, at Watford a little bit. And, and it's hard because Glenn Rhoda, and he was a great bloke and knew his stuff. But for me, he was a little bit too nice. And like you mentioned earlier, we needed a centre forward. And I always wanted us to kick on. But I felt that we, he was quite happy to be middle of the table. And for me, I was still ambitious because I'd come into the game late. And I wanted yeah. to kick on. And I didn't like that sort of, well, acceptance of stuff. But that's not just that. Yeah, it was, that's the politics. Uh, and that's probably why I ended up going back with Barry Fry a lot, because I knew that it would be all done fairly. You, you have leaders in the change room. And if the manager confers in them leaders, then it should be done in private. It shouldn't be right. done in front of the other players. Because I understand you've got to have leaders. But if, if you're doing that in front of other players, and then you're not digging them out, but you're digging the other players out, then then it then it's a problem to me. Uh, yeah, and it's 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 inconsistency, isn't it? And you that's the one yeah. thing you've got to have from a manager is you've got to see that they're exemplars of what you're wanting that what they're asking you to do as well. And be be honest with you, that makes absolute sense. Mm. You've got to knock, I think, after kind of month two, something like that. I think it was it against Reading or was it Oh Reading that, that season, yeah. yeah Reading. Yeah. Which kept you out for a bit. How what happened then and how was that for you? Uh, that was the start of a groin problem that I'd, I'd been feeling my groin and then it, they say if it pops so it kind of it felt like it popped so we went to the, the surgeon and then we they weren't sure whether to operate or not operate and it was one of them situations where we didn't operate but it it, it was taking longer yeah. but eventually it healed up and I carried on playing for the rest of the season and so I think I missed about a month I think something like that yeah. And but it flared up again the next season, which we could talk about later. Ah, later yeah, season. yeah. Because as you wore the number eight shirt and you had that, when you were out, 
suddenly somebody, uh, as, you, as we discussed, Jamie Morley was was having a hard time of it. He he was kept in the team. He, he still kept trying to work, but Lee Nogan was who had been signed in the Perryman years came in and suddenly wearing the number eight shirt was suddenly scoring goals seemingly for fun. And, and of course it all started in that second leg because he came on against Tottenham. He came into the team against Tottenham and scored two. So it goes to show how fragile a, a, a footballer's career is that you can have a, you could have a fallout in a dressing room and, a, and be finding it hard. You can have a little, you can have a niggle or a knock and suddenly somebody comes in and he's playing in the team and suddenly you're going to, you're going to find it. How do you find it at that point? You're still trying to recover. So you're wanting the team to do well, but you're desperate mm. to try to get back, presumably. How did you deal mentally with kind of those kind of either fitness issues or, or injuries that, that prevented you getting back and playing and, were you in and around the team then or were you, were you pushed one side to the physio room to rehabilitate? Yeah, it's very hard when you're injured because especially then that was the first season and we were doing well. Yeah. Like you said, we might have needed a goal scorer, but the expectation was that we'd struggle. So we were doing well. We we're up the top half. And so it was hard because I wanted to play, but I wanted the team to win and wanted us to yeah. carry on because I'd come into the club and there was a lot of talk about, oh, we're always fighting relegation. It seemed negativity around it and the mentality, wanted, I wanted that to change and we were changing that. That team was changing it. But with the first one, it was okay because I knew we'd gone to the surgeon. It was said, we don't need an operation. We've got to just strengthen it up. We're going to be back in two weeks, three yeah. weeks. Then you can you keep yourself motivated, you keep yourself fit and, and you can handle that. In the second season, which we'll probably get on to later, yeah. I was out for most of that season. And that 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 is when it's really hard, when you don't know. You can deal with being injured. And I wanted the team to do well because we were doing well. And Lee Nogan was playing up front. He was starting to score a bit as well. And so basically, when you know there's a time and you're quite confident that it's going to be okay, you've got to do your rehab. So you're working hard to make sure that when you come back, that you ain't far off it and you can get fit as quick as you can. So that one, that injury there, because I knew it was coming back, wasn't a problem. It was like, okay, get in the weight room, do whatever you do, cardio, and just make sure you're back as quick as possible. And obviously, I'd like first year at Watford, I was loving it. I was loving it. I was hating not playing, but mm. I knew I would be back soon. And I was confident in my ability to get back in the team or at least force myself into the team. And what you got to remember then, I quickly get that in. Yeah. We were working on a squad. The difference to nowadays is we were working off a squad of 15, 16. That was our squad, about 15, 16 players. Amazing, isn't it? We're not far off that now. That's another discussion. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we talked about the forward line and the, the observation, you're absolutely right, about we didn't have wingers. So actually it was very hard for, for all the forwards that season. And it wasn't just Jamie Morley. I'm going to read through the list of forwards that we had in that season. Bearing in mind, as you say, the, the basic core of the midfield was, or sorry, of, of the whole team was there, there weren't that many. But then when you look at the forwards that we had who came in, I just want to, I just want to put these out to you and just give us a, a, a one word review or a one word memory maybe of them. We'll see. Oh, that's so, Obviously, Jamie Morley in there. Obviously, Westbrook is always the word that goes with that. But because we didn't have something in there, Kevin Phillips. We're talking about somebody coming through from non-league here who's trodden the same route as you. He was, and again, rejected from Southampton, goes into non-league, jumps to Watford. In his early days, what did you think of Kev? Amazing the way he come in to come from Bulldog Town, which wasn't a big non-league club. No. To come in, I tell you what it is with Kevin is his temperament 
And to be a good footballer, you've got to have a good temperament. Yeah. His temperament was just so calm. But for him to come in and then go in the team and score goals, just amazing. We we, we knew, I knew I was at that engine we played in the reserve game and he was on trial. And pretty quickly I realised he's, he's very good. But what a finisher, great finisher, good footballer. But to come in from Bulldog, like I said, to come into a big club like Watford and, and just take it in his stride, basically. Very calm, trusted himself. Amazing the way he just took to it. And yeah, a clinical finisher and a great footballer. But if I had to say, you said one word, it would, is his, why he's a good footballer is his temperament. So calm. Oh, and usually that. you have to learn that. You have to learn that. He, he, he just had that in abundance. He, he wasn't phased by anything. Fantastic. I'll never, I'll never forgive him for Crystal Palace. No, I know. The one. <laughs> right at the, the end. The penalty in the was top corner. Right at the mm. fucking end, that was. Yeah. I know. I don't. Yeah, I know. I don't forget. Amunia could have had about 10 goes at trying to save that. He still wouldn't have saved it. Unbelievable penalty, oh. wasn't it? Unbelievable. So, Kevin, yeah, he, Kevin, was, he was a great lad, Kevin, and all, and someone that done well. But like you said, yeah, I've seen him a couple of times when I'm doing media stuff and that Palace game, I'm like, what? Why did you do it? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. All right, okay, okay. Another player we just mentioned him. He came in. He had a great run. But Lee Nogan, what are you? What are your memories of Lee Nogan? Because he suddenly came in and had that purple patch, which I don't think he'd exhibited before. Great lad, first of all. Great lad. Great in the changing room. Really made me welcome. Good player. Good player. I know certain supporters or weren't sure on Lee, but Lee was a good, technically very good footballer. Technically, could finish well. Had good all-round game. I just think, again, it's probably back to more would like balls coming in higher up the pitch because he's not a physical player. So, again, he might have suffered from just the way we were, the way we played. We were very much no wingers, pass through the lines, as they call it now. <laughs> and maybe he suffered from that. But I thought he was a, a really a top player. But just our style probably didn't suit him, but he was a good player. One word. One word. Character. Nice, like that. I'm not going to ask for one word for Tommy Mooney because I don't think one word would do Mr. Mooney sufficiently. We'll, we'll, we've had we've had three hours with him and we can't expect you to define that. But in came, and now we're going to get into some of the interesting names where people go, oh, yeah, I remember that. Neil Shipperley. Yeah. Neil, Neil Shipperley came in from either Chelsea or Southampton or one of those type of teams for a number of games in the loans. But I'm not sure whether or not you'd have been fit in and around the time or whether or not you were dealing with the, your injury kind of issues at the time. What were yeah. your memories of Neil Shipperley? He came in around Christmas, I think. Yeah, looked unfit. Didn't look like a footballer. But he never did. Good on the yeah. shoulder and could finish. I think he scored. A, did he score a few for us, didn't he? I think not. he got a couple. I think he got a couple. I'm sure he did. I'm sure. Yeah. Did. When you look at him, you, he doesn't look like a footballer, as in his athleticism and stuff like that. But he was a lot. He was better than that, and he had a quick brain, sharp brain. He scored. Oh, that was it. It was in the Boxing Day game against Portsmouth. He got one. That was it. Out, right. five, out of five appearances, but we were constantly rolling the dice on to try to find someone else. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Nigel Jemson. Brilliant. He was a player brought in from Forest, I presume that was. Yeah, he was outstanding. Brilliant. Could play into his feet, could run in behind. So strong. And he had a good, because he knew Craig Ramage really well uh-huh. from because they had Nottingham and Derby. Nottingham and Derby, yeah. He was brilliant footballer. Oh, I couldn't believe how good he was. Because you remember, he came on the scene at Nottingham Forest, didn't he, when he was about 18, 19. I think he'd lost his way or whatever. He was he- outstanding. Little bit lazy, but only a little bit. Top mm, quality, though. Fair enough. I've got to mention this one. And everybody, try not to suck air through your teeth, but I'm going to say the words, Mickey Quinn. Oh, <laughs> Mickey Quinn. <laughs> bet. <laughs> have a bet. Bet. Have a bet. 
<laughs> Stand bowls eat your heart out. <laughs> yeah, have a bet, Mickey. Yeah, talk more no, about betting than football. He loves a horse, doesn't he? Oh, he was not even in training. He'd be doing a warm-up in the old days, running around. He'd be talking about the 330 or the 130 at <laughs> Kempton or whatever. Character, real character. Decent, man. Decent finisher. Yeah. But not. I think when he was with us, I don't think he was fit. Or was he ever fit? I don't know. But yeah, proper. When you say them names like Nigel Jemson and Mickey Quinn and that, they were outstanding. In their day. Yeah. In their day, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think always, he was carrying a bit yeah. with us, to be honest. Yeah, I remember a game away at Wolves, and it was, yeah, he didn't last very long. Now, <laughs> I, I am no man to talk about another man's weight. Mickey Quinn, I'm just saying, at the time. he, I think we were his last English club. I think he went out to, to, to Greece, and and then he obviously yeah. pushed on into his beloved horse racing and what have you. Now, yeah. Peter Beadle. Now, there's an interesting yeah. one. Peter Beadle signed late because, again, we were trying to get this. Uh, I think the idea was what we needed for Jamie. Jamie Morley was a, was a partner. But as you say, actually, you've got to have somebody doing it. What do you remember of Peter Beadle? Left-sided player came to us from uh, uh, from the West Country. Yeah, I knew Peter from uh, – he was with Tottenham. He got signed by Tottenham when he was young. So I knew Peter a little bit. He'd come to Barnet on loan. Very neat and tidy, good footballer. Probably lacked just that yard more pace, mm-hmm. you know. But he was a very good link-up player. You could go into his feet. Very technically good. Another good player. Another good striker. But not because he was tall. I think people expected him to be like bulldozing centre forward. That weren't him. He liked to get the ball and play on the floor. Just probably lacked that little yard to be a top top striker. But Tottenham paid five hundred grand for him, so the, the talent was there. Good footballer. But Glenn seemed to like good footballers. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with two, 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 two forwards from the next season. From the next season, we're gonna take a, a little leap in because, and you talked about obviously the Nottingham Derby kind of connection. A player who got bought in right on the last knockings uh, for Glenn on that season was Devon White. Now, what are your recollections of him? Because again, we're still trying to get this tall striker to play something off. He didn't get a run under uh, a proper run because under Glenn because it was literally bought in away at uh, Crystal Palace. We lost it four nil. Glenn got his marching orders. But what do you remember of, of Devon White? Much maligned, mainly by me. Yeah, massive. Number one, massive. Well, everyone is to me. But game, really game, effective. Obviously, you've got to play these players with the right people, isn't it? And I think, obviously, that's what Glenn was trying to find. So if you want a big striker, we had it against Stoke with Wesley playing for Stoke, didn't we? Yeah. So he, he's that tight, Devon. Big, strong. Yeah, his touch weren't the greatest, but I think him and Kevin Phillips would have worked really well. I don't think they, I don't know if they played together too often, but yeah, he, he was just a handful. His touch weren't great, I'll be honest, but he was a handful and he was 100%. He, he would give you everything. I remember a couple when Graham Taylor was there that me and him were subs and we come on at half time in near the end of the season and I think most of the crowd were laughing because he's six foot four, isn't he? And I'm about five foot four. So it looked, <laughs> he looked. But he was a great lad, honest, really honest. Give you everything, give you absolutely everything. But obviously his touch weren't brilliant, but he's not there to do that, is he? He's there to hustle and bustle. Absolutely. One more player for, for the for the forwards who came through the ranks in around this two-year time. And there's some careers that we're just mentioning there, these players who've had it. But one came through the ranks, which was David Connolly. What are, your mem- mem- what are your memories of David Connolly? Obviously, you'd have seen him probably coming through the reserves. And, uh, what do you remember of him? Focus. That's the word I'd use if you want one word. Focus. Yeah, Very tunnel vision. Brilliant. Really started training with us like the first teamers. And you could see he was he weren't in fear of it. Mentally strong. He's good. Little moved quickly. 
finisher, good finisher. Like Kevin Phillips was the best finisher I saw. Jem- Jemson was decent at that as well, but Kevin was better. And David Connolly was close to Kevin Phillips in the finishing, just ruthless in front of the goal, ruthless. But, it, yeah. but if you want to ask me what he's like, he's just single-minded, like a lot of strikers are, but he was just focused on scoring goals and he was good at it. Worked yeah. hard as well. Had a little bit of the Irish temper, which I like because I've got a bit of Irish in me. 100% though, yeah. Like David, I've seen David a few times doing the media stuff. Great, lad. Good stuff. Good stuff. No, I like that a lot. I like that a lot. So you come back into the team for the for the last few, few months, and we end up with a game against. If, if you remember the final game of that season, where which we needed to win to get seventh, and I appreciate that the playoffs were six and above, etc. But the final day of the season, I think everybody was collectively willing us to do it, and it was against Craig Ramage's derby. And we ended up winning it 2-1. I think he got a penalty. I think he got a penalty because he, he had... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there are some areas in Vicarage Road that the gravity is very heavy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so he, he loved that. You know the funny thing with that? The, the, I can't remember who chopped him down, but he was best mates with him. And he, and they had drove in. They would, He was going to drive him home. They hadn't drove in together, but and Craig was just went for him and he hardly touched him and then Craig's gone down like Craig did. And he was just... <laughs> giving him so much stick, like laughing at him and that after the game. And they had to drive home. I think it was Paul Williams. That's it. But they were yes. good mates. He did make the most, look, let's just put it, Craig made the most of it. And if Craig, like I know him, he's just smiling at me as he goes down on the floor. He's smiling because his refs gave the penalty and he knows it's soft, but it was funny because he used he to do it. <laughs> he did love interacting with the fans once he'd done one and went, you know, kind of, he came yeah, in the eyes. Little- that little cheeky smile, wasn't it? It's like, and he'd, so he'd do funny. that. He'd have a cigar on as well. I remember that once being three, three, <laughs> one up away at Sunderland, and there's all the Mackhams kicking off, and he's just running up and picking the ball up in this tiny little enclosure we're in at the corner. Just picks up the ball and rolls it across to, oh, crack, I can't, I don't even think it was Kevin Miller at the time. It, to get the goal, and just looks up and just goes, <laughs> you just go, oh, it's going to be so much easier to drive all the way back from Sunderland after that. It was quality. Honestly, I know you like, don't want this to sound, but we'd be on the pitch and it, it's not that you don't care, but there's pressure, yeah? There's pressure when you're playing at Watford and yeah. in the championship. But Craig could just release that pressure because it, all he used to say, and like you touched on it earlier, he used to say to me and Andy Essenthaler before the game, you were doing me running tonight and start laughing. But you, you would have to laugh because, and you didn't mind, I didn't mind doing it because he was that good. But sometimes he'd go, he'd just, He'd go, he'd, he'd say, you give me the ball. He'd be running towards me and he'd just be, give me the ball, give me the ball. You'd give him it and he'd go, watch this. And he'd do it and he'd turn back and give you a little smile and start laughing because he'd hit a 40-yard switch ball. And it just used to just relax you. He was funny like that. But also he'd have a go at me if I didn't give him the ball. Sometimes I'd go to the left. He'd go, he'd just have a go and I'd start laughing. But he was funny. He was a funny, but not in a, don't think he didn't care. He cared. It was the way he relaxed himself, but he also relaxed all of us around him because he'd literally say, I've got to put this in the top corner, and nine times out of ten, he would. Well, it's a different kind of bravery. People talk about being courage in, in the game. And, yeah, there's the classic Terry Butcher kind of head bound and blood and you stick your foot in. But actually, mm. to try something on occasions that others would see as audacious, certainly more technically difficult, definitely with a bigger margin of error, and do it again and again. And in fairness, he didn't cock it up many times either. He, his passing range was quite was quite sublime. So we get that seventh position, which I know is it, it, people who go, oh, it's just outside of the past. We were partying going out there because it, it you was You ain't just... mentioned looting away. Sorry, cutting in. Oh, go. No, go for it. Go for it. 
two all and we miss a penalty in the eighty third, oh. Gary Porter. If we win that, we probably get in the playoffs. And that was in that was late in the game and that hurt because we'd lost at home, haven't we? The one you showed. Yes. And we got two all and then penalty about the eighty fifth. And that one still hurts me today because we should have won and then we'd have evened it up over the season with Luton. Well, but that could have got us in the playoffs. That could have yeah. got Everyone could say that, can't they? they of could course. Have but our expectations and your expectations in the camp might be very different because at the time we knew we what what had happened. We knew we were as, as a club. You had to bring players through and then they would move on and, and progress, etc. So we might have been quite. Oh my god, that was beyond our expectation. Hitting seventh, how did that feel inside the camp? Yeah, like you said, I thought that's what I noticed about. And this is probably goes to anyone, any football club, the culture and the mentality is so important because when I joined Watford, the struggled hadn't they the seasons leading up everyone was yep. talking oh yeah we'll struggle and I even felt that in in and around the group I, I didn't like that mentality and obviously a few new players come in and we once we got going and that diamond like you mentioned was working and we were playing well and we were beating some of the big clubs there was big teams in it weren't there Wolves and Derby yeah. and whoever we were disappointed that we didn't get in the playoffs and we were because we thought we should have but we also knew that striker problem as in he keep trying different strikers didn't he yeah so we were a little bit disappointed that we didn't get in the playoffs and I was disappointed because I thought like I said to you before mentality you've got to think you've got to aim for the stars and yeah we were a bit disappointed that we didn't get in the playoffs but we were also pleased because beginning of the season the expectation was that we wouldn't do well and we knew that we were only probably a couple of players off going for the promotion. But also the other thing was concerning was, like I mentioned, the, the size of the squad. We were then forwards, you said, we had to keep bringing them in on loan, didn't we? Yeah, absolutely. We, absolutely. The, the squad wasn't big because financially Watford wasn't in a great place. So they were the only concerns. But yeah, we were happy, but I, was, I weren't happy to come seventh. You want, we wanted the playoffs. We wanted that. And I thought we were good enough to get that. But maybe with that striker missing, that's maybe why we didn't. This is Thomas Priskin, and you are listening Do Not Scratch Your Eyes podcast. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. (whistles) At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. We start off the next season, a 2-1 win against Sheffield United. A certain D Payne gets on the score sheet. with a, It was nigh on a bicycle kick almost, as I recall. It was coming out and you got in there. That, that was your goal for Waffle, which is obviously a lovely moment. But the mm. season starts well, but started to feel going away. Had we not invested in the right ways in the closed season, there's a topic to discuss, obviously, today. Had we not invested it in the right ways, have we become predictable? I think, and that's what I brought up about the squad before, I think the depth yeah. of the squad hurt us that second season I was there. The depth yeah. of the squad definitely hurt us. Also, we did. We were playing that diamond and teams had worked it out and Glenn didn't move on from that. And, and I think we should have 
tried different things. But we got, I remember I, that was a horrible season for me. I loved the football club. I worked hard to get to the championship. I had a season with Southend. I've had that season with Watford. So generally it's top three with Southend. Then it fell away when the manager went and then seventh. And I'm feeling more and more confidence. But played the first 10 and I got injured. And I yeah. missed two months. And then I got injured. I come back one game, got injured again. I missed, if I'm being honest, from the outside, the squad depth, because I think Andy Essenthal got injured. I think Kevin Phillips got injured. Yes. And we all had two months injuries. So Gray Gramage had a long injury as well, I believe. So I think what hurt us that second season was the depth of the squad. But also, yeah, I think tactically we should have changed the diamond because teams all knew what we were doing. They were going to the... When you play a diamond, if you go to the fullbacks... Me and Hessenthal, me and Andy Hessenthal were basically running out doing doggies all game because they would always go to the fullbacks. So yeah. that's how you kind of work against the diamond. And and I think we should have changed the system a bit because we started okay. We started okay. Yeah, uh, it was it was obviously it was a frustration for Glenn because he he would have wanted to have bought in the players that might have given him more flexibility. He might who who knows? But it's one of those things. Obviously, it's been, it was a frustrating season. And as I say, you've you've had that issue. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And he was out for the start of the season. Uh, Rambo missed 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 large amounts um, of it. And we'd we'd always got that issue with the uh, with people like you know, Colin Foster had been immense, and suddenly he was out for a little while as well. And yeah. there, there was one player that we did sign in the middle of that, who I think would be who I think would be a great player for the for our currency, our current squad, which was Stevie Palmer, who mm. who came in and uh, as a, a non typical footballer's football, Cambridge educated, comes in. I was going to sing his song there. I nearly yeah, sung his song. You certainly can. <laughs> but he comes in, he's a kind of a, almost a, a player's player, I think, because he can fit in the midfield. He can, he fitted in the back at his time at Watford, as is, as is well known. He ended up wearing every shirt in one season, etc. What were your thoughts on, on Stevie Palmer when he came in? Yeah, no, it was good because it, it was hard for me because I was injured most oh, of, of the season. And it, you're watching and you, you're not helping because we can't, we start losing. And uh, so when Steve came in, it was good that Steve came in because he had the experience he'd been at Itchwich. So he had championship experience and you could see that he was he could cover the ground box to box. You could see he was honest. And and I thought that would help in that way. But I've, and like you said, he is a very educated man, lovely bloke. So I thought it would help. But I think back to the injuries, I think we just got too many injuries. But Steve Palmer obviously with what happened afterwards, he proved to be what he was. I yeah. just think he come in to a situation where I think the confidence might have dropped. We weren't the strongest because we had a lot of injuries and he was probably one of the more senior players that's trying to lift most of the rest of the group. There's only three or four senior players. and But yeah, you could tell Steve, great engine, knew the game. Like I said, had championship experience. So I was pleased we got him in, but it was just frustrating that I'm watching from the sideline and a few of us are watching from the sideline while your team's losing and there's not a lot you can do to help. It was a frustrating season. I bet it was. You get yourself back to some level of fitness then. And then, of course, as we mentioned earlier on, it's not long and then Glenn moves. Graham Taylor comes in and, of course, for every story of success with GT and bringing people in, there's also people who are going to find it hard to get in and, and potentially go the other way. You mentioned, obviously, that he came in and he, you'd had an injury, etc. Mm. How difficult was it, obviously, during that time where, you know, how, how, did, how did the move away come about in that respect? Yeah, no, it was very difficult because I'd come back from, I'd dumped the groin again and I had an operation. So I'd come back and played at Millwall and we won at Millwall, come off the bench and I'd only had two days training. 
So I thought I'd done the operation, recovered, played, come on, we win the game because we needed a win. We Things weren't going the right way. Glenn Rhoda was still the manager. Yeah. So lovely to go to Millwall and win, by the way. It's always nice to win there. So come away from that. And then a couple of days later, we're in training and freak accident and I break my toe, which and unbelievable, my big toe as well. If it's a little toe, it wouldn't take long. But you know what I find amazing? Because I was thinking about this the other day when I, when I knew I was going to come on and chat. Yeah. Is that they didn't even put me in a boot. They put you in a boot thing. So yeah. I'm having isolation a walk, boot. Walk. Yeah, isolation boot. So I'm having to get in my car and drive to physio. I'm having to walk about. I'm trying to keep off it as much as possible, having crutches. But And it just took about three months for me to get back. It was hard, man. It was really hard. Obviously, then the manager getting the sack. And this is where I didn't have any guidance around me. I only had the last year on my contract. And at the end of that season, we come seventh. No one was guiding me. So we'll go. And Glenn really liked me. Itchwich Town had come in for me, but he said, you're not going there. And I should have said, start give me another year on the contract. So I didn't have no guidance. So yeah, he gets the sack. Graham comes in and obviously knowing Graham Taylor and what he's done for Watford, that was a huge lift for everyone. But obviously he walked into a team that were low on confidence and struggling and and not being able to be part of that because I'm injured for the second time in the season. Just wanting to get out there because Luther and Kenny come in with Graham and you could sell the change straight away, the atmosphere and Mm -hmm. the difference. And I just wanted to be part of that. So to not be part of that to the last six games, I think, till my broken toe recovered, that was really hard watching us because we he got a response, but it took a while for him to get a response. And we nearly, they nearly got out of it, but ended up getting relegated. And that team, but obviously I've mentioned with the, the injuries, a lot of injuries, but that team shouldn't have got relegated. But we all say that, but bet for the squad, that's what I thought done it because we didn't have yeah. any job. So it was yeah. hard. It was hard. I didn't answer your question because... Graham Taylor, the aura around him. I wanted to play for him. Positive mentality that you talked about earlier on when we were talking about the jump from Barry Fry. Graham Taylor yeah. is is one of those kind of positive players. He loves his wingers. He loves all of that sort of stuff. Sounding yeah. like he would have played to you had the fitness. But those are those fragile kind of connections that that, that affect players. And I don't think I don't think supporters really think about it enough how tenuous something might be that changes the direction of a career at that time and an injury is obviously gonna just the wrong timing potentially yeah exactly like I said Itridge had come in for me at Christmas and Glenn said no and Glenn liked me and if I had had that's where it's good now that the players have people around them I know agents ain't looked at in a good way but at least the players the modern day player has people around him and psychology people to help him and advise yeah. him because I should have been advised to go and get another year on my contract but obviously Graham Taylor's come in he's seen I'm injured for a certain amount of time maybe that come into his thinking I don't know what come into his thinking but basically I, I come on, I got on the bench and I remember coming on against Port Vale me and Devon and we done really well and I felt great and I mm-hmm. loved playing Graham Taylor because you just knew you had to give everything he didn't have to say anything you just knew you had to give everything. And that's my type of manager. So, yeah, it was it, whatever reason. And I was a bit lively off the pitch. Maybe that come into it. But, yeah, I got let go and it, it hurt. It hurt. No, I'm sure. <laughs> but, I'm sure. But, but that's how it was. That's how it went. But the band coming back together again was basically the move to Peterborough. Was Barry already there or was that – did he take you back to Peterborough? Yeah, Barry, Barry was there. Yeah, I had a couple other offers. There was other offers. But once you've had an injury, I don't know. And I had a bit of a character. But Barry, there was a few, but I wanted to go. Obviously, I mentioned about Glen Roder, the politics sometimes of what it was like when Watford, I wanted to go to a manager that knew me and understood me. I went that way to Peterborough. And so what, what, what division were, were Peterborough? League in? One. League One. 
and Watford come into it, didn't they? League one. Yes, of course. So we got ready. So we got, we got played you then. So how how did that pick up then? Had you gone through because you'd spent obviously a lot of that season getting over that injury? Uh, mm. Did you go because those last six games you got a clean bill of health? Did you get a good start um, to your career at, uh, at Peterborough? Because you got yeah, about yeah. hundred caps there, didn't you? Appearances. Yeah, yeah. It was hard because the championship was. I'd worked so hard to get there. I had three years in it, and then all of a sudden the injuries. Now I'm in League One and the Championship is different and the Championship's definitely a level up. Got one player of the season in my first year at Peterborough. So nice. I was proud of my performances, but the team didn't perform well. Barry had brought the club, so he was chairman and manager. Yeah. But there was a whole load of debt that he hadn't realised. So okay. he was never at the training ground. And basically it was left to certain people to run it. This is the politics again of football. And... It weren't great, but I kept my standards up and I'm proud of that. I'm proud that I won player of the year, but the team didn't perform well and it, it was tough. It was tough because it weren't, it weren't so much. It was the off-field stuff. The manager was never there at the training ground. The club was in a bit of financial trouble and, and that kind of filtered its way down. But that's where you've got to be a good pro and I got me head down. I worked hard and I, like I said, I won player of the season. So I was pleased, but weren't pleased with how things were off the pitch. But you have to get on with it. It's your job and you get on with it. Yeah, no, I, I can imagine it would be because you've come to a certain degree and then to a certain level, you work bloody hard mm. to get there. And obviously yeah. the frustration are coming down and then suddenly you've got those standards that are there. And if you're not seeing those kind of replicated through whatever reason, through whatever reason, because of course we know what happened with Peterborough in the end. He, he, he bought, it's Darren McAntony's come in and you look at Peterborough now and you go, well, if they bring in a forward, he's probably going to be sold on for about $8 million in about two two months' time. Clark Harris is probably the exception to the rule. They've kept him forever. But you look at people like they took Britta Somba longer and he then went on and had a good career before coming back to us last season. They had people like Ivan Tony. There's been a whole kind of Aaron McLean, all of these sort of players who've done yeah, pretty well yeah. in the game, have done that from there. In terms of then, obviously, your career at, at Peterborough, you then, at, at the conclusion of that, you still played, because I always got the feeling that you loved playing, because you then went yeah. and played some games again in the non-league as well, didn't you? Was that was that for the love of it? Was that keeping the momentum going? Because obviously, when a player's career stops at a very premature early age, it must be a very difficult thing to to, to deal with. Did the non-league side was that stepping presumably stepping back into part-time football? Did that ease the transition towards the end of the of, of the playing career? And what did you think about the next steps in terms of coaching and scouting mm. before you ended up with the radio gigs? Yeah, I've come out of the game because of the politics. I've got to be honest. Uh, I had politics at Peterborough. I won't go into it. But by the end there, I could have stayed professional, but the politics was making me fall out of love with football. Mm-hmm. So went to Dagenham and the non-league, and it, it's, honest, it's an honest environment, the non-league. So that kind of got me going again. And, yeah, I kept playing till I started doing coaching around about 34, but kept playing till I was 38 because <clears throat> I love playing. Um, I had, I had a, took a season off because you, you, you feel your body. You get to a certain age and you, you know that your body needs a rest. So I took a season out and then come back and you feel like a youngster again. And so I kept playing because I loved the game and kept playing and done coaching with Hemel Hempstead, player coach, playing, playing at 38, 39 down at Hemel Hempstead, which was a good level. Yeah. So it, it's hard when you come out because there's, it's different nowadays. Like I said, I think they do get, people that are there to help you. But even nowadays, I'm sure sometimes when you finish and you actually come out and I went into the non-league, I was still playing, but 
the daily routine of being a professional and the highs of being a professional, the adrenaline of being a professional are very hard to find outside of football. Yeah. So it can it can affect you. So you got to you got to find your way. You you lose direction. I lost direction a bit, but that's where football was helped because even the non-league, even the coaching, that kept me sane, shall I say. Yeah, so, involved, um, involved in in and around the game that you. Yeah, because it, it's it's always been one of those things that, and and I, you know, I'm not talking about anybody here, but if, if it's almost a a stand in the game. As as your legs go, you're really understanding the game, and suddenly you're a wise head to impart that. You, you say, kind of player was it player assistant at Hemel? Um, have you done yeah. any kind of other other kind of academy or development work? Um, yeah. at, at other places and that sort of thing. Yeah, so dude, like I, I was coaching at Hemel as well, and. To be honest, when you go straight and you're still young, you do a bit of coaching and the coaching you and the managing, because I was assistant manager, mm-hmm. I knew I weren't really ready for it. I knew that I needed to go and coach. I needed to do more. Even though a lot of stuff, you need to go and experience it. You need to go. So I've done coaching with, a, I've worked at a foundation in Wembley called Jason Roberts Foundation. All right. I've done some work around some schools as well. Just working on coaching, working on helping the youngsters try and get them better and, and just learning your coaching, learning how to put just, you, you, obviously you said you've done it, Peter. Yeah, yeah. Learning your sessions, learning how to communicate and putting on good, well, you're not allowed to say drills now, I was told. <laughs> Is that right? You're not allowed oh. to say drills? Oh, blimey, I've not heard that, no. <laughs> no. I, I absolutely well. would have called them drills. That's what they yeah, have yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, the coaching is... and. Brilliant. And then working with youngsters and just trying to give these youngsters, because the area I was working in Wembley was giving them an opportunity. Sometimes they're not given an opportunity because of where they're from and stuff like that, Yeah, which I don't agree with. I think they need opportunities more than probably the, the, the wealthy areas. Yeah, I really enjoy it, really passing on. And I, I, I enjoy the coaching, but you always want to get better at it, like I did at football. You always want to improve. And like you said, with the football, as you get older, you get wiser. And it's the same with the coaching. And um, sometimes I'm doing it, sometimes I come out of it. But you, you want to work, you want to do it with good players. So it's something that I enjoy. Anything to do with football, I enjoy. I've got a passion for it. And I think you've got to put your whole heart into it. If, if I do it, I put my whole heart into it. I can't do it willy-nilly. It just doesn't sit right with me. That's, that's fair enough. So, how did the Three Counties Radio? Because because it's been a number of years now that you're an absolute you're an absolute staple. I basically come out of the game, my missus comes and picks me up, we turn it on, and then you're telling us what we've just been watching. <laughs> how did you. that come about? And how does that how does that play a part in, in in all of this sort of stuff? Well, that all come about with Watford and why Watford's a great club and why people, if you think why I love Watford, is. First of all, when I went and joined, they made me welcome. Everyone makes you welcome. It feels like family. Supporters are knowledgeable. And it is that community what Graham Taylor built up. Mm-hmm. So that was great. So I was called back. We used to play some cricket games around the, the local grounds, Leverstock yep. Green, Kings Langley, and then some football games. And I love playing with the older lads. I keep myself fit so I can look quite good now because some of them ain't fit. So, no comment. So we were basically come about, I was playing at a game in Bushy, Near, near the ground, near Vicarage Road, just down from Vicarage Road. I forgot the name of the, the club. They had their 100th celebration last year, I think. And someone was there, Nigel Gibbs was there, and I said to Nigel, who's that guy? And it was John Marks. Uh. And he said he does commentary. I said, what, at Watford? And he said, yeah. I said, I didn't know they'd done that. I didn't know they'd done commentary. I said, I'd love to have a go at it. He said, and Nigel said, he, Nigel, Sir Nigel, had said he'd done a couple with them. I just spoke to John, and that's how it all started. He just, he said, you're welcome to come along. You won't get paid. 
but you're welcome to come along. And I said, I'd just love to have a go because I like trying to analyse a game. I like to look at a game and I like to read a game. I like the tactical side of it. Mm. And that's how it come about, though. And that was just before Gino Pozzo joined. So what started out as just have a couple of goes, I've ended up doing for years and I absolutely, I love it. I love doing it. I enjoy it so much. Keeps you, it keeps you involved. Like I think for absolutely. me, it's, it, it's the fact that you call it out when it's bad and you don't sugarcoat anything. I think that's what I really like about your co-commentary because I can rely on you then. I can get an honest um, sort, sort of honest feedback, if you like, on the game because I think, oh, well, it's telling it like it is, so it must be that bad or alternatively, it must be that good. So I, I think you're actually talking as a fan when you do it, which I really enjoy mm. on your commentary. Thank you. Thank you. And I, and I do try and do it. You learn as well because when I first started, sometimes you sit on the fence a bit yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But I've, I've learned that. And you got to learn. And I do, I'm saying this in genuinely saying this. I know the Watford fans are knowledgeable from when I played because they wouldn't get on our backs when we were trying and we were doing all right. They'd get on your backs when we weren't trying and you're doing stupid things, sloppy things. So I know the crowd's knowledgeable and I wouldn't want to insult that by saying stuff on the radio that you can all see. So yeah. I try and be as honest as I can and I try and say it how it is, but also trying to show it from a player's point of view as well because sometimes it ain't as straightforward as we think because a player might not be playing bad, might be playing bad, but his confidence might be. He's not trying. He's just, he's hiding basically. Yeah. But yeah, I try and say it straight and thank you. Thank you for the feedback because I try and be honest. Like Otherwise you lose cre- credibility if you ain't honest. Yeah. Well, yeah. Keep that up because on the days when I don't get to see a game and I'm relying on the radio to, to find out what's gone on, then I think, okay, well, you know, if Derek said that, then that's, that must be how it is because, you know, he's normally and, and, he, and he, he won't sugarcoat it. Yeah, keep that up. It's fantastic. Really good. Thank and, you. No, keep going. Thank you for the feedback. The, the other thing that is important to say is that we here at Do Not Scratch Your Eyes do like to do things that take us out of our comfort zone. So last year, we decided that we were going to commentate on a on one of the ladies' games, and I, if you're familiar with Wildstone and Ricelet Manor, there is a there is this kind of strange erection. Oh, it's a bad use of phrasing. Sorry, well, yeah, bad one. Well, there, there's there's a commentary base which which I'm not fit. I'm not really built to get into. I was up there doing the commentary straight, and these two idiots were wandering around showing how co-commentary should not be done. Um, I was under extreme pressure that day. You were under extreme hangover that day. (laughs) That's what it was. That's what it was. I love watching watching you on the podcast. I've got to be honest, you know. (laughs) What, the vlogs? I love watching him on the uh, podcast because... He just—I could see the passion in you. <laughs> Bless it, you. I could see how Bless much you. it means to you. It does. It does. See, and 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 I like the way you put it across. You're angry, <laughs> but you're angry, but you keep control of it, don't you? <laughs> well, just about the, the, the copious amount of alcohol generally helps. I've got to, I've got to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it helps. Yeah. The, the yeah. day we the day we did it, it was early December. It was bloody freezing. It, it was, was the day cold. after Carlos's fortieth birthday surprise oh, party. Oh, hanging so up he, my ass. He, I was he, so oh, Carlos. Yeah, I was so yeah. bad. <laughs> well, you've got a good excuse. You thought you've yeah, exactly. Yeah, but seeing Peter will basically butter himself <laughs> up and oil himself up and squeeze through the hatch <laughs> was enough for me. Quite honestly, it was he. He done a lot for Lurpak that day. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fair cop. It's a fair cop. 
these two bastards came and finished the audio of this commentary, which was the worst commentary you've ever heard. It involved Justin reading out skip adverts at one point. I'm not saying the co-commentary wasn't of Derek Payne standards, but it wasn't of Derek Payne standards. Yeah. And, and Carl jumping up and down to try and keep warm and then go, oh, shit, now I've got a hangover. It was that thing. I think my finest work was at half time where I went to go and get a beer just to try and sort the hangover out. <laughs> this was when you, this was when you weren't haranguing the poor lineswoman who was running up and down and you were questioning some of her decisions and stuff. It was I asked a question, you know, I'm I'm a rogue I'm a rogue reporter, I'm allowed to ask these things. <laughs> was this the same day that I also ran against yes, one of the players? Yes, it was the same day yes, that you, you raced a player. Yeah. Who was that? It was Jade Bradley who is play play central midfield for the uh, for for the women's team. She's still in the squad this year, and now they've gone up. And they she was just basically doing doggies from about I don't know about forty yards out into the corner and back. Um, right. Justin's just gone 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 onto the pitch, getting in front of everybody's warm downs because that's what we do here. <laughs> and he's interviewing Helen Ward for about the fifteenth time, criticizing her because she hasn't made us any chocolate right. brownies, which she once offered to do, and we haven't stopped reminding her. He interviews <laughs> interviews Poppy Wilson. Suddenly, you hear Carl going, oh, "I'll join you, I'll join you," and I, we look up, and this idiot is basically doing doggy. She's leaving him for dust. Right? No, I had her at one point. I had her. She put, she put, she put the burners at the on. At the start. She definitely put the burners on. Yeah. If only we'd filmed yeah. this. You had her at the start. Yeah, yeah. For, for at least three seconds. Three was, seconds, I was, yeah. Yeah. I, I love his dry sense of humour, I must say. I love your dry sense of humour. You'd be great in a changing room. And many, it's, Sunday League is my, yeah, it's about as far as I got. Is your standard colours? Yeah, yeah bro- broken glass and dead swans. That is what we. That's what we have. No, nothing wrong with that. Yeah. <laughs> nothing wrong with that. Oh well, look at that. Look at that. Well, look, Derek. It's lovely to have you with the club still. It's been over ten years now that you've been doing that. Yeah. So it's really that we love to see players and and we often talk about as i say that mid 90s team as a team that had genuinely had character it had that that one season that which you played a pivotal part in people talk about the diamond formation as that as an example there shame we didn't move on from it what what a result bearing in mind the number of different players we had playing up front we only had a squad of 15 and 17 of those were forwards who knew <laughs> i think you summed that up really well <laughs> no no thank you very much. Thank you for having me on. Honestly, uh, what Peter just said there about character over the last couple of seasons at the club, it's something we haven't had. It's something mm. that's, been, that's been missing, that, that that passion. You just you just said it there. Us as fans, we'll forgive you. We'll forgive those players for for the results. We just want them to try. And we're not yeah. stupid. We're not stupid. We can see when they're trying. And anybody that's seen the team over the last couple of seasons, it's, it hasn't been good enough. The page yeah. has turned. The new season, I'm excited by it. Hopefully, there's a lot to look forward to over the next season or two. But yeah, we, no. look, we'll always be here. We're, we're, we're Watford supporters. We'll moan about it. We'll cry about it, whatever. It'll ruin our weekends, but we'll still be there at the end of the day. It's like you said, what? Carlos. It's like you said. It's I know from being a supporter as a kid and then supporters, like I said, with Watford and most clubs, you've got as long as you're giving everything. Yeah. Then the supporters will give you, give you a bit of slack. Obviously, you might if you don't play it. I was taught something. When I was a player, if you ain't having a good game yourself, so on the ball, you ain't playing well on the ball. You can still affect the game by yeah. stopping the bloke you're stopping up against. Blake, so yeah. Little right. things like that, little things like that, and I I know what you're saying. It's they've there's got to be more honesty. The culture's got to be better, and there's got to be honesty. Supporters, these the supporters deserve that, and I'm not just yeah. saying that. 
to say it. So on that, Derek, do you think that this season is going to be an improvement, certainly on the past two? And if you do, what do you think the difference is going to be that's going to make it better? Still early days, I'd say still early days. I'm still not totally convinced. I think definitely trying to get the effort there. They're definitely trying to get the work rate there. And and I'm seeing that, definitely seeing that. And long may that continue. I'm a bit worried about if you get a couple, if you get a setback, is the mentality strong enough to deal with a setback? Mm. Are we strong mm. enough mentally as a club, the players, to, to deal with a setback? But I've seen it, it definitely the work's there and, and the, being totally blunt. I don't understand why a team ain't fit, a squad ain't fit, and we haven't been fit the last two seasons. Mm. Yeah. And I don't understand that being the next player because individually I'd get myself fit. If I didn't think the training was enough, I'd do it myself. So, yeah. Uh, in answer to your question, I, I can see the work there. They're trying. They're, they're definitely trying hard, but I'm, I'm I'm not totally convinced because when we play physical sides, I'm not sure about us. And and in my day, physical sides, you've got to stand up to them. We saw it against Stoke and Stevenage, yeah. so that's my only concern. But also, I'll give the players and a bit of slack because if you're trying to you're trying to play a different way, ain't we? We're trying to play a different philosophy. We're trying to play football but more forward mm-hmm. so he's changed the style so that does take time but physically we need to stand up to teams and, and if we don't in this in the championship then it won't work so you've got to stand up to teams and you've got to pick the right teams so whoever you play against you've got to pick the right team to play against that team do, do, do you know you yeah, know what I'm saying them. yeah you've got to match them haven't you? you've got to match them yeah. everywhere I don't think we're going to play the way he wants we want to play against physical sides and be able to do that from kickoff, I don't think we'll be able to do that. There it goes. Look at your team. Look at your selection. That's very important. I think team selection is really important, and who starts and who doesn't start against different opposition. It's got to be different. I don't. Yeah, conv- that's my problem. I'm not convinced at this stage, as we record, there's still a week of the transfer window to go. But I'm not convinced we've got a squad deep enough to be choosy about who plays really. And I think if we end up having a few injuries like we did last season, we we could be in trouble this season. Definitely could be a problem. I totally agree with you because, like you said, we have just picked up a couple of injuries and all of a sudden we look a little bit light and we had it with what we talked about my second season at Watford, just when the squad ain't deep enough. So it could be a problem and and you do need that depth so that you can have the options for what I'm talking about because you've got to, in the championship, as you, as you all know, you've got, to have, you've got to be able to play different ways. You've got to, be, you've got to stand up. Well, the ones I hate is when we go to Millwall and we don't put up a fight. My, my team, I, I don't think I've ever lost at Millwall because I enjoy that, having to stand up to it. So we need to get that right. And I agree with you, Peter. I think maybe we do need a bigger squad because you've you got to have different... I think our squad's just suited to play football at the moment. We need a couple more, I don't know what you'd call... Battlers, sloggers. Grassers. Sloggers. Sloggers. Derek Payne's. <laughs> Derek <laughs> Payne's. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what we need, some Derek Payne's. That's what we need. Jonathan Hobbs. <laughs> Jonathan yeah, Hobbs, right, yeah. right. Uh, we have to ask one last question. And who knows, these days it may or it may not make the edit. But obviously, the moment you came in at Watford, I think that I think the supporters actually you know, really liked you. But you did have what what would now probably be, be deemed an an unsuitable nickname, <laughs> which it, it did occasionally react to. Yeah. Like I said to anyone at the time, I say this to anyone at the time, some people say, well, 
well, don't you like it? They call you Freddy. I said, it's better than being called a lot, <laughs> lot of other different things, which I won't, which I won't mention. <laughs> so, Freddy doesn't sound great. Freddy West, would it? <laughs> yeah, it was. Because yeah. of my long hair. Long you know why Brilliant. I didn't? Can I tell you why I didn't cut my hair? Because I was so focused on the Saturday that I didn't want to sit and uh, listen to a barber talking to me because I wanted to focus <laughs> on the Saturday. So I just let the hair keep growing and growing. <laughs> Basically, I should have got someone in who was a personal one, shouldn't I? But yeah, yeah, Freddie after Freddie West. Yeah. No, I quite like it. I've got to be honest, and that sounds not no, that makes me. I think if you're if you're given a nickname, though, that that shows that the, the, the crowd like you. Really, I think if you get yeah. that's it, isn't it? If you get a nickname, well, it's true. Yeah. It's absolutely true. Yeah, it's it's because it's I true. because I fouled people, weren't it? I don't, I don't know. All the hair, wasn't it? Yeah, I didn't a, mind that... it. Because it was we, said we, in a, it was done in a nice way. Oh, it was. We we just thought yeah. you're an ex- excellent builder in the Gloucestershire area. That was absolutely fine. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, do you need any patio work done? By the way, Les? <laughs> 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 oh my god, that's staying oh, in. Brilliant, that's that's in. <laughs> Derek. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you this evening. Thank you very much for coming on. Do not scratch your eyes. Oh, thanks for having me on, and it's great to meet you all. Brilliant. Thank you. Top man, Derek. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around, you've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery free in terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweaters starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.